Hey everybody, Scott here. Just wanted to duck in here quickly before this week's episode got underway to say a couple of things. Um, as some of you may have noticed, the past few weeks to month or so, the, the release schedule got a bit sparse and sporadic to be generous about it. Uh, basically just because, as sometimes happens in doing this thing, ran into some scheduling issues, plus also I also got very disgustingly sick at one point. So, but it happens sometimes when arranging people, nobody's fault. Scheduling can sometimes be difficult. Things fall over when they're organized or people are busy or I'm busy. And, you know, sometimes arranging people to talk to isn't the smoothest thing in the world. Um, and that's basically a preface to say that also there's going to be another few weeks gap because I'm going to be going overseas for a little while. So I won't be back till mid-July. So yeah, there's going to be another gap in episodes there, but then when I return, I think the schedule is going to drop back to maybe an episode every two weeks, simply because I think that's going to make things a little more sustainable when it comes to scheduling people to talk to. So I'm going to, I'm going to try that out for a while and see how it goes. So hopefully you don't miss me too much in the next month, and then hopefully you're not all too horribly saddened by the reducing schedule, but fingers crossed it'll at least lead to slightly more consistency, because I, I would much rather have a little bit, bit of consistency going on rather than just, like, dropping off the face of the, uh, of the earth every once in a while. Anyways, that's all I wanted to raise with you guys, and now let's actually get to the episode and cross to myself live in the studio. Hello everybody, welcome back to another week of The Passion Project, the podcast where it doesn't matter if anybody else cares as long as you do. I am, as always, your beautiful host, Scott Strange, um, coming back to you with another person from across the globe. Um, I have the wonderful Quill with me this week. How are you, Quill? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Well, that is fantastic to hear. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. I kind of rely on having people, so you're doing me a favor, basically. <laughs> oh, goodness, yes. Um, so, what, what are you here to talk about with me this week? What is your passion? So, uh, I am here to talk about book-to-film adaptations. So, uh, this is a very common thing, obviously. You've all seen a film adaptation of a book. Like, unless, um, yeah. unless you're Amish, maybe, but I sincerely sure. doubt. I sincerely doubt the Amish are listening to this. So, yeah, I feel like that's not your demographic. I mean, I don't know anything about your demographic, but it's probably not them. I don't uh, even know much about my demographic, to be honest. <laughs> oh goodness, what a mood. Um, so yeah, I, I'm. Oh, okay. Sorry, I have cats. So if you hear that's any like rustling that's why it's okay we'll get My the bad. we'll get the cats to weigh in with their opinion on the odd occasion yeah yeah next time i'll just i'll go to my fancy recording studio that i yeah. definitely have of course uh <laughs> so yeah uh it's a really common thing and i have very strong opinions about what makes a good uh film adaptation and what makes a bad film adaptation of a All book right. so well, well i look for forward to hearing these opinions um, yeah. So has it, this been like a long running interest of yours? Has it kind of been going oh, for a while? Oh, yes. 
So I was an English major at right. school, at mm-hmm. college, university, I think is what y'all call it. Yes, that uh, would be right. <laughs> um, and I also double majored in script writing. So uh, the the two are linked yes. uh, and have always been. Um, if I were to really, really try to pursue any kind of like film career, I would probably start out trying to do adaptations because I think they're interesting and I don't have to think a lot about plot. So, right. yeah, exactly. So it's a pre-made plot. It's so how so helpful. Yeah, exactly. How hard could it be? Uh, <laughs> probably, probably very hard. Apparently, pretty hard because very few people get it right. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> So what made you want to study both that combination of things? Um, probably societal pressure. If I had to go back to college, I'd probably go into art um, right. or maybe game design. Right. But, uh, but I, I, that's not to say that I, do, that I don't love these things. Obviously, mm. I do. Um, I really like thinking about people and characters. And I like thinking about like how... I like analyzing literature, but I didn't want to be someone who was like stuck in an ivory tower, like giving my hot takes on Charles Dickens, because that is nothing like the world doesn't need that, in my opinion, right now. Also, Um, I'm pretty sure we have enough Charles Dickens hot takes to really. I think we do. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely think we do. I'm no sure one needs to know anything else about yeah. Charles Dickens. <laughs> I don't know if there's new opinions to have. And like, I love Charles Dickens. I really do. But um, no, like I don't I don't need to know anything else. Any other thoughts about his yeah. work? Um, But I so I didn't want to be stuck in an ivory tower and. I found that like sitting down isolated alone and writing uh, just wasn't a good career choice for me because I'm very social. Um, I like being around people. I like brainstorming. And so I added script writing after I became friends with a lot of film majors. And whenever I realized that writing for television is much more social um, and gives that sort of group dynamic that I would have at the time really been hoping for. Mm-hmm. I have since reevaluated my strengths and have come to the conclusion that probably I shouldn't do it at all anyway, but it's not like completely off the table. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, what made you come to that conclusion? Oh, um, just. Just growing up, like I just don't think that anyone at the age of eighteen should be making career choices for themselves. No, no. no, no. Uh, <laughs> I definitely always felt that that way when, yeah, yeah. When I, when I had my meetings with my guidance counselor at the age of seventeen, where they've been like, "What do oh. you want to go and study?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'm a fucking right? idiot. I should not." It's be like making- I don't know. <laughs> I don't trust myself to make decisions about my lunch currently. Why should I make decisions right. about my life? Right, exactly. It's like, what are you asking me? You're asking me to pay a lot of money to go do a thing that I don't even know that I want to do. Yeah. Well, I did it, so it's. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm legally not lot now, not allowed to do a lot of things right now, but you still want me to make drastic life choices. All right, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so so that's basically my origin story. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so so dark and intense. I know, right? 
It's a tragic backstory. Uh, well, uh, it sets you up for a great story in the future, then. Oh, for sure. Okay. So, well, I guess let's ask the the basic question: What, in your opinion, do you think makes a good book to film adaptation? Okay, so I would say, and okay, so my my top, my absolute favorite adaptation has been for years is uh, the movie Holes. I don't know right. if you've ever read Holes. I um, have, I've not read the book or seen the movie, so. Well, this will be an exciting ride then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Holes is a great movie, um, and it's a great book. Uh, I think that, so I think that a good adaptation mm-hmm. is one that doesn't necessarily give you every single plot point that the book has to offer because that's unrealistic. Yeah. And that's what oh. most people oh go on. Oh, I was saying like a lot of the time unless you want like a seven hour movie, kind of impossible. Right. Yeah, you really can't. Like unless you're going to make the new like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And even that doesn't have everything in it, even the extended versions. So unless you talk about the Hobbit, in which case it has actually seven times more than the book. Yeah. Had. It has too much. And that's another terrible adaptation, but I don't want to talk about it <laughs> yet. Um, but yeah, so I think that a good adaptation is not necessarily one that gives you every single plot point the way that most people think book nerds are mad about. Hmm. Um, but it gives you a sense of the world. Like it keeps the spirit of the world alive. And I think that's the most important thing that an adaptation can do. So the new series of unfortunate events, uh, series that's out on netflix um that one's a very good adaptation in my opinion and i love a series of unfortunate events books um because they do change a few things um they don't have like a a small infant sword fighting with her teeth for example which is is kind of a disappointment but oh well right i mean you know that's it's, That's kind of upsetting, but I get it, I guess. Yeah, I know I know from experience that it's very hard to train a sword-fighting teeth baby. Oh, for sure. And whenever you're on such a low budget, like you can't even uh you can't even do like the good CGI for it. So, yeah. I'm glad they changed it. Um But yeah, so that's the sort of thing that is like it encapsulates the tone of the book and also that the characters remain true to themselves. Mm. So those are probably like, I mean, of course there's a lot more that goes into it in terms of like directing and set design and music choices. All of that of course goes into it. But if we're talking about the pure writing of the, of the thing, it really has to capture the same sort of magic that reading the book captures. Yeah. Um, so basically yeah. it's, it's, I guess to some extent it's almost, it's not necessarily, not necessarily overly definable, but it's like, if you read the book and then you watch the movie, it's just a feeling it kind of, you would get to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I have, I have examples tucked away in my brain for a wider audience than just like people who have read holes. Yeah. Um, but we can, 
we can tease it out for a little yeah. while if you'd like. Keep we, everyone on we, we the edge of their seats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what's going to come next? It's so exciting. Oh, what am I going to talk about? Everyone's oh. on the edge of their seats. <laughs> but okay, so what's so specifically good about holes then? If this is kind of like your favorite. Yeah. So holes. Holes is a good book to adapt. So that's the first thing is not every book really should be adapted as much as everybody is sad to hear that. Mm. Um, And a lot of the books that they try to adapt are things like, well, you know, like, um, like Game of Thrones, for example, they're doing a pretty good job as far as like, I've never read the book, so I, I can't make any real opinion on adaptations but they're at least going about it the right way where like with those big sort of epic fantasy books um i think that a television series works better because you have more time to draw things out and all of that yeah um so with holes though holes is just a single it's like a little book i read it in fourth grade so that gives you like an idea of the reading level yeah um but it's like it's a self-contained story that is visually interesting and is like kind of goofy but still compelling so so they chose the right book to begin with Then, after that, they made another very good choice, which was they got the writer of the book to act as the lead scriptwriter for the movie. Yeah. Which, you know, he knows his material better than anyone. And if he makes any changes to the material, then... Yeah, it automatically (laughs) kind of shuts the people up who would complain straight away. Yeah, who'd be like, that's not canon. It's like, well... It is I now. mean, technically, it is now, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the kind of, and, and so like with holes, they did a really good job, like casting. They made a couple of um, of choices for like the main character in the book is overweight, and um, in the movie, he's played by Shia LaBeouf, who yeah. at the time was not overweight. Um, and a few people had some things to say about it, but they had good reasons for it. Like they had to re or they had to film in like a really hot desert, for example. And, um, and they, uh, they were like worried about overheating and like also in the book, uh, Stanley, the main character is supposed to lose a lot of weight in a short amount of time. And, you know, they didn't want to do that to a child. Yeah, so it yeah. made sense. <laughs> not, every, um, not every child actor is Christian Bale. Losing yeah, fucking Christian Bale. Like, he, not everyone can be the machinist, okay? Yeah, it's yeah. like they, they, could, they couldn't get Christian Bale in like a CGI, CGI child <laughs> suit. <laughs> oh, but can you imagine if they did? That'd be yeah, great. It would. <laughs> <laughs> more, more movies require Christian Bale in a child CGI suit. Honestly, <laughs> I watched the little the Little Women adaptation. I've never read that book either, but I I watched the film version of Little Women, and uh, Christian Bale is in it as like one of the main dudes that they hang out with, and that formed my crush on Christian Bale for a good part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so you, it, it wasn't American Psycho that formed your crush. 
No, I watched American Psycho because of my crush. <laughs> and then you <laughs> I was had like, a lot of- Christian Bale naked with a chainsaw. <laughs> yes, please. I suddenly have a new fetish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so, I guess for a basic, anyway. we should probably go over, just give us a basic outline of what Holes is actually about. Yeah, that's a good idea. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> uh so Holes is a story about uh, Stanley Yelnats, uh, who is a kid who is accused of stealing some very, very expensive shoes from like a, a donation uh, auction. So it, it's like if Michael Jordan put on um, put an auction on to help like homeless kids and was selling a pair of like really expensive, really nice Jordans. Right. Um, That was sort of the setup. So he's framed or not framed. He's accused of stealing these shoes, even though he didn't actually do it. Um, And he is sent to a correctional facility in the middle of like a, of a, completely dried up lake right. and the idea is that boys uh what what are they called delinquent boys summer camp essentially yeah. where they have to dig holes um i want to say it's like five feet deep and five feet across every day until you know the the story is that it's supposed to build character and you know, that they're not really digging holes for any reason. Yeah. The reality is um, they're without the boys knowing it, the camp counselors, the people who run the camp, um, they're trying to find like a buried treasure. Right. That uh, this old outlaw kiss and Kate Barlow was rumored to have uh, buried in that area. So it's kind of, it's actually a pretty complicated plot now that I think about it for like such a small, easy little book, but essentially uh, Stanley is um, like, he thinks he's cursed (laughs) because his family has this story about his grandpa or not his like great, great, great grandpa or something like that. Um, getting cursed i don't want to go into the details of all of that because it's kind of spoilery and hey maybe you want to watch holes or something uh but uh but it kind of like it has this interesting way in the book and in the movie of like showing us three different stories and three different timelines so one of the stories is Stanley's that's like you know the main story we're here following Stanley around at this place um and then the second story is about Stanley's ancestor who got cursed and we're learning about the details of that curse Mm. and then the third story that's really being told is um the story of Kiss and Kate Barlow who falls in love with a black man and after um and like in a time when it was not okay for a white woman to fall in love with a black man i should yeah. mention um and so it's sort of following that whole uh 
story and the backlash that comes with that. Um, it has some like magical realism in it. Like uh, you have to stay away from the ma- or from the uh, yellow spotted lizards, which aren't real as far as I know in our actual world. Uh, but in this world, it's like they're extremely poisonous and the only way to uh, keep them off you is to eat onions. Uh, yeah. Why? Who knows? Who cares? Um, <laughs> so anyway, that that's like the very, very basic bare bones, like without getting into too many like scenes or anything like that or characters. Um, that's the general gist of it all. So, yeah. so any other it, questions about that? <laughs> <laughs> so does the, the the adaptation, the film adaptation, basically follow the same story? Does it, does it make any drastic it changes or anything like that? Um, there are a couple of changes that it makes uh, that are, like, worth mentioning. Mm. Uh, one of them is you kind of, like, as a sort of background, you get more time with Stanley's family. Um, so like you see them interact a lot more than you do in the book. Um, you get more of a resolution of what actually happens at the very, very end. Um, like you get more like, where are they now? Instead of, you know, the book just sort of ends on a good note, but like in the movie, which was, I think a Nickelodeon movie of all places of all things. Um, I know. Right. Uh, maybe it was a Disney movie. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, so like in the movie though, like you get a nice, like, and they're not all in this, uh, camp for delinquent children anymore. (laughs) Like they've all done something, you know, after being treated properly for, you know, being youths who do misconducts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. The, the they give mm-hmm. you the slightly, the I mean, they yeah, they give you the slightly happier ending. They do, and I mean, and it's not that those things weren't kind of implied in the book, but they weren't explicitly said. So it's nice Which, to have like official closure. Yeah, and movies, movies are much more, especially what which I imagine is a a movie that's probably aimed at a young audience. So yeah. they're definitely yeah, more inclined is. to make that much more explicit. It's to be like, look, everything's oh, yeah. fine, guys. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's one of the reasons why I said that Holes was such a good book, though, to choose, because there weren't many changes to make. Like, yeah. there, whenever you look at the plot structure of Holes, it's really ironclad. Yeah. Everything makes perfect sense. Adding or taking away from it like too much would have just sort of confused the entire plot. Hmm. And there's no point in that. Um, I think that the, the biggest difference aside from that is they add scenes where instead of characters in the book telling you about something that happened, you see it happen. Yeah. So instead of someone telling the story of Kiss and Kate Barlow, we see the story yeah. of Kiss and Kate Barlow. Pretty so... Cool. Which is obviously one of the probably Which probably, is just Yeah. Probably yeah. the primary benefit of, you know, an adaptation is the fact that yeah. Right. What what is a giant yeah. chunk of like pages of pages of words can often be pretty simply conveyed with a much shorter like visual oh, adaptation. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it really like, that's like the benefit of doing these adaptations and it's just good screenwriting. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Show don't tell. Show don't tell. It's a, yeah. If there's been, if anyone has like had any kind of writing related education, they would have heard show don't tell like till, yeah. their, ear, till their ears bled basically. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, like, do you think, because I guess obviously a, a f- there's been a large, especially like in recent times with things like Harry Potter and stuff like that, there's been mm-hmm. a lot of young adult stuff gets adapted to film. Yes. And yes. Do, you, do you think, A, obviously there's a big money-making thing involved in it because obviously, everyone's, everyone's yes. chasing those Harry Potter dollars. But um, right. do, you, do you think a lot of that comes down to them, they can be better adapted because often young adult novels and stuff are a bit less complicated in their plots? Um, well, <laughs> see, I actually hate the Harry Potter movies a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, I, fun fact, I used to have a Harry Potter podcast. Um, we don't really do it anymore, but <laughs> if you want to check it out, sorry, can I plug this old dead podcast? <laughs> sure, go for your life. <laughs> it's it's a dead podcast, so like it's not going. It's not um, competition. <laughs> it's called wizard. It's called Wizard to Wizard, and um, my friend Kit and I go through. Like we just talk about bullshit about Harry Potter right. because we really loved Harry Potter. We still love Harry Potter a right. lot, um, but J.K. Rowling is really disappointing, and we're both trans and gay, and it's just hard. To- <laughs> Yeah, like on that note the other day, like randomly out of nowhere while I was cooking my dinner, I was kind of thinking about the whole thing about how, you know, Dumbledore is allegedly gay. And Oh, I have so many opinions. And how, yeah, <laughs> and, and just how like, you know, that doesn't really count as any kind of gay representation in your books if the only way people know that is if you mm-hmm. said it after the fact. Oh, it absolutely does not. It's like, it's like... Gay people shouldn't have their representation told to them through headlines yeah. in articles. They should just be shown. It should just be explicit. Yeah, it's like um, it's like it's like wanting the wanting the applause for having a gay character yeah. without actually having a gay character, basically. Without actually doing any of the work for it. Because yeah, um, and. Yeah, I have a lot of opinions about gay characters in Harry Potter, but we really can't because I'll go off on a huge rant. That's a whole different thing. And um, and by gay gay characters, I think think you mean the distinct lack of them. Yes, that is what I mean. And also like the distinct like um, erasure of fans, like fans have decided that certain characters are gay um, because we can do that. Yeah, uh, fans do. That's what fan fiction that's is That's what fans upon. do. And I mean, like, I'm going to sit here and yell about Remus Lupin being bisexual for the rest of my life. Yeah. But that doesn't change that there's really, aside from just, like, things that are sort of mentioned in the books, like, there's no proof that he's yeah. any kind of gay. Like, but yeah, um, but like if, if Remus Lupin and Sirius Black did not have sex at one time uh, in their life, I'll yeah. fucking, I'll <laughs> eat all of my hats. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I just, so, but the fact that J.K. Rowling, like, did this huge backlash about 
Wolfstar, whenever the fifth book came out, she was like, no, they're not gay. And then like hastily gave Remus a girlfriend and was like, look, he's not gay. He's with this. Yeah. <laughs> he's with this girl who's like 11 years younger than him. Isn't that all right? Yeah. <laughs> She's a lot like serious. Weird. <laughs> we gave ladies. <laughs> we created lady serious. Right. Except better. Um, kind of. I I like serious. It doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> the point is, is that I have a lot of opinions about Harry Potter, and I do love the series deeply, and I hate the movie adaptations um okay. well, a lot. Hey. Well, well, we're already here. Let's get into it. So why why do you hate the movie adaptations? Okay, so first off, should not have been movies. Definitely should have been like a a multi-season like TV series. Hmm. Granted, this was the early 2000s, so it wasn't as in fact it was not common at all for them to do that. Um I can't I can't remember the first um book series that really did start getting adapted as a television series. Yeah, I'm not sure, but there's probably I want to say it was Game of Thrones or I mean, something like that. Because there's probably different versions. I'm sure there's like older one, older TV series that are based. Oh, on sure, sure. And, you know, I'm sure. I'm like, I'm sure there's been any number of you know police procedural type things that have been based on books. Oh, for but, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Of it, but I think Game of Thrones, as far as we know, I'm sure there's people out there who could easily correct us. Would be the first, like, one oh, of yes. the first notable direct adaptations yeah. of like a book series. And it was like, it was probably the most popular. I think that Game of Thrones popularized the idea of making a book series into a television series. Yeah, exactly. I might be wrong. I mean, (laughs) Amazon would not be spending a shitload of money on that Lord of the Rings TV series they're going to be making if it wasn't for Uh, Game of Thrones. I wish wish they wouldn't, but anyway. We all uh, all wish they wouldn't, but... Yeah. I have so many other books that I could throw your way, Amazon. That'd be way better. Anyway, it doesn't uh, <laughs> I'm not bitter. Uh, yeah, so Game of Thrones was probably like the first really popular one to do that. So like, I'll give them a bit of a pass with the Harry Potter movies making mm-hmm. them movies because that was yeah. just how you did it in the early 2000s. Um, but what I will not give them a pass on is pretty much everything else. Um <laughs> Aside from the casting being really good, they sort of just gutted the entire um, the entire spirit of those books mm. because there is a reason why people who grew up on those books um, who are now like raging leftists who have canceled everybody. Um, <laughs> I say this from experience. Still go back to those books and are like, I like these books. These books are great. They give me a good feeling, even though they're so problematic in so many different ways um, to so many different communities. (laughs) Like, because it's not just the gay community. It's, you know, like people of color and Native Americans who are people of color, but specifically Native Americans have been targeted in like the new American wizard stuff so like come on jk rowling (laughs) um like you know so many people are 
Like, there's so much that's a problem in those books. But we still go back to them because they're enjoyable, because they they give you like this feeling of like, wow, magic could be real. And it could just be right under our noses in the London underground. Yeah, Who knew? It, it, builds, um, it, it builds a good world. It's, it's it does. Been, she always built a yeah. very good world that, you know, and entices people reason, to get drawn into it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like the whole point of Harry Potter, at least in my opinion. Um, the whole reason why our fan base is still thriving on Tumblr and in the world, it's because people are enchanted with the world. And the reason that the movies don't really pull that off is because they they put way more stock into just the plot. And the plot is not that good, if I'm being honest. It's like, it's not bad. It's the same plot that we've had for billions of years. It's a very straightforward plot. It is. It's like, here's an evil snake-looking man, and he's trying to kill you, our our standard white boy main character. Here is your three-act Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. You're right, exactly. It's, It's perfect to talk about the hero's journey or for, like, a standard like hero's quest yeah if you want to get into tropes but that's okay because the books are still good and the books are still good because of the way that the characters are um for the most part because of the little details that go into things so like uh for example my favorite thing to throw at people whenever they ask me why i hate the harry potter adaptations is the seventh or the second seventh movie, the eighth movie, yeah. um, where they do the Battle of Hogwarts? Which spoiler alert: if you haven't read Harry Potter, but or watched Harry Potter, or haven't somehow like ingrained all that is Harry Potter in our culture, yeah. But in the Battle of Hogwarts, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the book that's really cool and really interesting. Um, and you kind of see a lot of the magic that's been withheld from us for all of the other books. Mm. So, like, you know, you have, like, giants coming in. Like, the idea that there are alliances between, giant, like, magical creatures and, yeah. you know, wizards. That's a huge thing. I think centaurs come and help, even though they've been, like, extremely neutral on the whole on the whole thing for the yeah. entire series. Um, Professor Sprout drops mandrakes on like, as like little sound bombs on <laughs> death eaters. And that's so like cute and clever. And it's like, everybody has their purpose. Everybody yeah. has like their thing that they do. Everybody gets and, like, their moment. Yeah. Everybody gets like their moment. And you know, like I feel like if you split the seventh book into two movies you can and if you're as big budget as harry potter you can take the time and you can do that but what we get from harry potter the movie is basically like different colored lightning shooting out of their wands yeah um pretty consistently i think that the earlier movies did a better job like you know the in the Chamber of Secrets, you still have Ron barfing up slugs. 
Um, you get to see Hermione turn into a cat girl, which is funny. Um, and there's like, still like be still a bunch of furries' hearts at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Come on, guys. She's twelve. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you get a lot of that like fun and goofy, or like the the what is it? The third movie yeah the prisoner of azkaban i literally watched it last night still hate that movie for (laughs) other reasons mostly because i love the marauders and they just destroyed the marauders in those movies but i'm over it uh i don't don't think you're over it at all i'm over it uh (laughs) they still do they're still doing like interesting little detail things like um the guy who's sitting in the leaky cauldron stirring his tea with magic and reading a brief history of the universe, like Mm. that sort of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that we, as people who love that world really like, we latch on to the little details and that's sort of the whole point. Yeah. Um, also, because oh, if you notice, like the, obviously the first two books, uh, I mean the first two movies are the most most faithful, yeah, adaptations of the books in the in the oh absolutely series, and that's I mean and it's also a thing because obviously the first two books were a lot smaller, and the longer it went on, the books got much bigger. Sure, and I can give them a little bit of leeway for like leaving certain things out. Like I don't get mad necessarily that they left certain things out. It's what they choose to add in or what they choose to focus on that bothers me the most. Hmm. Um, And I also don't give that leeway to like the third movie because the third book is extremely short. In fact, barely anything happens in the third book. Like it stuff happens, obviously. But like if you're not into the Marauders, like you're not into the third book. Um, Yeah, because there's not a whole lot going on there. They never. Um, There's. They don't give a lot of context in the movie for a lot of the stuff that it. They really don't. Yeah, you know, they don't you know, even explain yeah, who exactly. the Marauders are. You know, <laughs> like, like, exactly, the, the Marauders map is like a big thing, but they don't actually like tell you yeah. that they like the map was actually created by like Harry right Dad and Remus. <laughs> no and one's Sirius. here, like no one's here, like hey Remus, like you know, no one takes a minute to be like Remus, so. uh... How do you know any, like, how do you know it's a map? Like, what are you, who are you? (laughs) So like, you know, that's, that's the sort of little thing that like, doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but it is a big deal, especially when in like the fifth movie, they start calling Sirius Padfoot. Yeah. It's like, if you haven't read those books, you're lost. You don't know. I mean, you might, if you're smart, you can probably piece together what happened and who everyone is. But, like, it's also a kid's series. You should be explicit about certain things. You know, uh, that's always my thought. Because I I, I don't mind. Basically, for someone who has not read the books, a lot of those movies Mm -hmm. make drastically less sense. Yeah, there's a, yeah. There's a lot of leaps made in those movies without that, like, doesn't actually have the connective tissue to get there. Oh, and you know what? That's another thing that this is one of my biggest issues about anime, which is another form of adaptation in many cases. Yeah. Um, because a lot of anime is adaptations of manga that yeah. come out. 
And one of the biggest issues that I have with anime and one of the biggest issues I have with the Harry Potter film series is they start the story before the books are finished. Yeah. And that makes a huge, like a huge difference. Um, with anime, it's really bad because that's why you get filler episodes. That's why you have like Full Metal Alchemist 2003 that just goes completely off the rails. And then you have Brotherhood, which they wrote that is way closer to the manga. Um, because, you know, they started before they actually, before the story was finished. So, like, yeah. you don't know what you should be highlighting in the yeah, earlier exactly. movies if you don't know what happens in the later books. J.K. Rowling isn't going to tell you. Like, yeah. and she shouldn't. Like, it's a huge... She can't, at that time in her life, she could not trust even a single person, yeah. I'm sure, with anything that was going to happen. Because that was like a multi-billion dollar franchise that yeah, she exactly. was working on. I, so I do think there was, I do remember, recall hearing one story which, like at some point in one of the earlier movies, they were going to just excise one character completely until she came in and was like, no, you guys are probably going to want to leave that one in there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think it was um, Creature. Yeah, they were going think, to get yeah. rid of Creature completely. Yeah. Although the way like, that they did the movies, they really could have just yeah. gotten rid of him. You could have yeah, fucking replaced it with a mop wearing a hat. Yeah, like, he didn't matter. He really didn't, because we didn't hear Regulus but all, anyway. But also, he, like, <sighs> he didn't hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we could probably keep going down this, <laughs> this thing for a while. I know. I could go down this rabbit hole forever. Like, I could probably do an entire two-part episode about why Harry Potter <laughs> is a bad film adaptation. Yeah. But one thing that I do want to, like, quickly touch on is also just, like, the characterization of people in, yeah. the, in the Harry Potter movies. And, you know, generally. Um, like... So, again, I'm really into the Marauders. We all know this by now. <laughs> I think um, it's been well established, yes. But, like, just little things like the costume design mm. really throws me off in those movies. Um, the first two movies were pretty on point. Like, Gilderoy Lockhart is the height of, of genius. Yeah. Um, but then you get to, like, the third movie where they're barely wearing robes the entire time. They're in, like, muggle clothes, and it's like, what? why um i hate this <laughs> and then you get into like later movies where they switch directors again and they go back to kind of having robes sometimes mm. um but like one of the biggest issues with for that with me are like the adult characters because they're not wearing a uniform they get to wear whatever they want and if somebody wants to fight me over it uh, Sirius Black would not be caught dead in Tweed. So, <laughs> like, this is this is a rebel who stole a motorcycle and made it fly. Like, no. He just, no. He's not going to wear, like, a suit jacket. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, like, you know, other little things like that. It's not just Sirius. It's everyone. Like, Dumbledore needs to be a little bit more like flamboyant in his dress. Hmm. Um, although he's actually pretty on point for the most part. I will give them that. Um, but like, just, I don't know, Hermione, like the way that she went from being kind of like 
she's supposed to be sort of dumpy and like her hair is supposed to be all over the place. And she doesn't care about things like appearance. Usually like they really downplayed all of that as Emma Watson got older and, you know, started to, I guess, look cute or whatever. Like, I'm not going to call a 15 year old hot. That's not, I don't feel that way. You know what I mean? Like she's growing up, she's maturing and she looks like, not a dumpy nerd. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think part of something like that, it's like, you know, a uh, slightly unavoidable yeah. like, byproduct of like, oh, okay, you grew up into a, like, beautiful girl. Okay, well. Yeah. And it, well, I think to a- but that, that being said, I don't think that Hermione isn't, like, a beautiful girl. It's just that she doesn't care about all that. And there are makeup things that they could have done easily hmm. to make her more, like, you know, dumpy, nerdy, whatever. So those are my main, like the, the TLDR of Harry Potter film adaptations. I hate them. (laughs) Okay. Okay, But like how much, I mean, I guess this could kind of further apply outside of Harry Potter. How much do you think there's a certain part of it, which can be compared to what you personally saw in your mind when you read the books compared to like what ended up on the page? Do you, do you, I mean, what ended up on the screen? Do you feel like sometimes, especially if you're passionate about the book in question, like what, because it didn't match what you thought can cause a certain amount of blindness regardless of the quality? Absolutely. And I mean, I'm sure that I am not above this because I know that I probably do as well i think everybody does everyone's a little bit biased and they always will be unless you're the one who's writing it like you're not going to think it's perfect yeah probably ever um although i come pretty close to a couple things but (laughs) i think that um whenever i like so like whenever i formed my opinions about the harry potter movies i was hanging out with a lot of film majors at the time and they have a lot of opinions that do not match mine from like a filmmaking uh, point of view. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe, sure. I disagree, but sure, maybe. Um, and so whenever I was formulating my thoughts and opinions about the Harry Potter series at that time, um, the ones that I now have today, I put a lot of like, I tried to really objectively into like, okay, what's just good writing and what's bad writing? Because for me, it all comes down to like a good story. Like you can have the most beautiful, most on point uh, set design and filmography for a film. But if it doesn't have like a good story or if it's not creating the the world that you want to be immersed in, then it's not going to be good. Um, like the the old... There's like a early 2000s film adaptation of a series of unfortunate events. I don't know if yeah. you remember that. Uh, yeah, Jim Carrey with, was in it. Jim Carrey, yeah. It's the one with Jim Carrey, Jude Law. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that is a terrible adaptation of those books. Um, but like set-wise, in terms of like set design, costume design, uh, casting, really good. Like, they did everything in terms of, like, filmmaking totally right. But they messed with the story too much. But that being said, there are things that whenever they make changes, you just sort of have to accept that they're making changes. 
No single like book to film adaptation is going to be a hundred percent faithful. It's just right because books and movies like, are different things, and changes need to be made. Absolutely, and they should be made. And if you're doing an adaptation correctly, the changes that you make are only going to add to the book to like the plot. Mm. Um, they're not going to take away from the plot. You're not going to miss the things that they changed because the things that they changed needed to be changed. You know, it's like another way to edit a story down and make it more succinct. Yeah. Um, which like, but like, you know, I, I definitely do have biases. Like if it were me, I would want um, like in the fifth, Sorry, since Harry Potter's so like universal, so many yeah. people like know it. I'm gonna keep going back to it. I'm sorry. It's an easy touch. Um, it's really easy to use as an example because it does have good and bad in it. Yeah. I just focus more on the bad um, <laughs> because I'm critical. Um, but like, if I had my way in the fifth movie, we would have gotten that full like Snape's worst memory scene with like the Marauders being jackasses. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Snape being a racist and, you know, like terrible. So, but that, if I'm being really super honest with myself, like that would just be fan service for the people who like the Marauders. Yeah. It is a needed, it is needed, but the fact that they cut it down so much in the movie, it, I don't like the way that they cut it down, but I understand why they cut it down. And I understand why they kept the scene, but not in any, like, significant way. Yeah. So that would be, like, an example of, like, figuring out, like, what are you passionate about? What do you care about from that book series? And then what is the film doing that you don't agree with? And how much of that is because it's bad filmmaking? And how much of it is because you personally just hate it? You know? Yeah. Which I feel like there's... You know, I feel like when, especially especially when it comes to Harry Potter, like there's definitely a lot from both sides. Oh yes, everybody has everybody has opinions on Harry Potter, and probably someone is listening to this who's like, "Well, I think Quill's just fucking wrong. They're yeah. the worst. They don't know anything about <laughs> Harry Potter, though." Exactly. That rube, and I'll be like, <laughs> you know, probably. <laughs> and and the internet fights will continue until the heat death of the universe. yeah. Exactly. It's like, I, I won't fight with you about Snape because I don't care, but I will fight with you about Remus Lupin and all of the intricacies of his <laughs> characters. So, yeah. But they don't match up with other people's ideas, and yeah. eh, it's fine. Okay, so what what are you, just to, to move on from Harry Potter for, yes, for, please. for a change? Dear um, God. What are, some, what are some other good, like notably good adaptations in your mind? Okay, so... Here we go. Um, so I mentioned this already, and I do have to like reserve a little bit of like, um, what's the word? Like, there's a little asterisk after this one, but yeah. the Netflix series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. So far, they're doing a great job, just outstanding. Um, this the they're doing a really good job of like adding to the story. So like, um, like I was saying, if you're making changes, they should add to the story. They're making changes that add to the story and that 
honestly make more sense than they did in the books. Um, and I have opinions on that. I will not go into it. Uh, <laughs> I'm making that. I'm making that decision for us right now. The one thing I've noticed <laughs> from that is that as a series, they seem to be very accurate, accurately portraying the voice of the books. They are. Well, they're really working closely with Daniel Handler on this one. So that's yeah. who is Lemony Snicket, for those of you who don't know. Um, who, like, that's really important. Um, yeah. It really, really is that you work very closely with the actual writer of the books. Hmm. So if you can. I mean, obviously, if they're dead, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's important. Um and I'm pretty sure that he's writing for it as well a little yeah. bit. So I don't know. Um, so that's a really good one so far. I would recommend that one. If you haven't read the series of Unfortunate Events books, I mean, I recommend them. But honestly, for the first four books, it's kind of boring. And you could really just watch the first season of the of the yeah. Netflix and you wouldn't miss anything. So that's a pretty ringing endorsement from me. <laughs> um, there's... Uh, I would say that it's been a while since I've read and compared these two, but I remember distinctly thinking that the first Hunger Games movies, like movie was really, really good. Hmm. Um, the way that they like sort of framed it as like a sort of like a sports center. Um, it was like it moved in between like following Katniss as like, you know, the people watching her versus like watching it as if you were part of the Capitol and you yeah. were like watching the hunger games with commentary, you know, like I thought that was really clever. Um, they pulled off the shaky camera thing that became really popular around that time that became annoying for some people. Mm. Um, but it worked for that particular adaptation. Mm. Um, I would say that, Let's see. What else? What else did I really like a lot? Oh, uh, there are some really good BBC adaptations of uh, Dickens's works. So um, there's a really good adaptation of David Copperfield that definitely does not go through everything that is touched on in that book. Um, but it is a very, very good adaptation for what they were, you know, for the time limit they were under. Yeah. Um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy not the not the hobbit the hobbit is a trash fire the hobbit um, is really bad but the trilogy is really really good bad also, um, like, the trilogy is really good casting yeah. on point you know i think yeah that one, i think oh you're saying uh, i was gonna say i think that i think that one's a good thing of like because a lot of, I mean, I've never read the Lord of the Rings books, but I also know that like a lot of changes were made within that the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like, there's a like characters oh, are completely excised. A huge amount. Characters are like folded into one character. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of changes, but that one from. But that's kind of what makes the Lord of the Rings hard to read. Like yeah, J.R.R. Tolkien had a huge hard on for all like his world, which is great, yeah. and I'm happy for him. But like. Yeah, I don't I mean, want to read about Tom Bombadil loving his wife. Like, I really don't care. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very smart adaptation. Whereas it is the, the Hobbit is the absolute inverse of that, where they took everything and blew it out into extreme proportions and added like 
All, all like most of the additions, like could, Samarillion and yeah, yeah, like the additions were not weird. F- yeah, they weren't for telling a good story. They were for like they just f- seemed like very movie additions, and yeah, they're very like like I, okay. So the Hobbit is it's interesting because they're directed by the same guy, Peter mm-hmm. Jackson, and I think the biggest difference is. The Lord of the Rings trilogy was like his brain baby. Like yeah. he, this was one of his passion projects. He wanted to do this. They yeah. came to him with like, you should do the Hobbit. Everyone kept pestering him about doing the Hobbit. And he was like, no, no, I don't want to do the Hobbit. Please don't make me do the Hobbit. Yeah. And they made him do the Hobbit. Yeah. So, I mean, well, they didn't it's... make him do anything, but... I mean, he they did definitely, the Hobbit. Yeah, they definitely backed it up to his, you know, house with a dump truck full of money. Right, and, and, and he please. was like, "Well, I guess I'll do the Hobbit for this money, but it's not going to be good, yeah. everyone." Like, there's, you can see the difference between a trilogy he wanted to make versus something he had to make. Yeah, absolutely, and it's like, so that's the sort of thing where, like, that's also the Hobbit is sort of a. What's the word? A product of very, very capitalist-minded Hollywood, where Harry Potter, unfortunately, started the trend where you split a book in half and you make it into two movies instead of one. In the Harry Potter series, that made a lot of sense. When Twilight did it literally the year after, made no sense at all. And then yeah. I don't want to talk about Twilight ever, though. So Hung, uh, Hung, yeah, then Hunger Games as well did the same thing. It just yeah, Hunger like, Games did the same thing, and became, you really didn't. Yeah, exactly. It was unnecessary. It's at that point you know it's like, well, this is a very shameless money making thing, right? And they did the same thing with The Hobbit, and it's really a tragedy because The Hobbit is one of the most adaptable books that I've ever read. I'm like, yeah, this could absolutely be adapted for the screen really well, and it'd be really fun and exciting and vibrant, but not when you do it the way that they did it. So, And I don't know if you've seen it, but anyone else out there, I recently there's a woman on YouTube called Lindsay Ellis. She does a lot lot of film criticism and analysis, and she recently (laughs) did basically like a three-part series of videos that breaks down incredibly well the failures of The Hobbit into Mm. into the adaptation of the movie. And like the the sort of things that went wrong and, you know what led to this happening it's a very it's a very interesting watch and it kind of yeah. covers all the points but far more concisely and intelligently than probably we could right my yeah. goodness my cat is wailing i am so sorry <laughs> i hope good. that you i hope that the passion project fans like have a passion for cats if they don't i don't want them listening that's fair get out of here cat yeah, haters we off. hate we we hate you yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't want your patronage. Hi, I'm just here to alienate all of your <laughs> listeners. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, Hi, so, my name is Quill, and my passion is to alienate yeah. other podcast listeners. So everybody out there, get fucked. Get fucked. Uh- <laughs> uh, okay, so is there... What is probably the best adaptation you could think of think of that is the most drastically unfaithful to the book oh oh that's such a good question um 
Okay, I, I do have to break away from the film adaptation thing for one second because, and I might be able to think of a film adaptation that is the case, but the best example, for me at least, would be the musical Wicked. Um, right. I don't know if you've ever seen the musical Wicked. I have. I don't know if you've ever read the book Wicked. I have. Um, they are drastically different. They are, they are wildly different. Um, yeah. Both are very good um, in their own special way. So like in the book Wicked, uh, you get a really sort of gritty, in-depth look at this world that, you know, set in the world of the Wizard of Oz, of course. Um, you really get to know about Elphaba and, like, some of, like, the... the Like, you, we talk about her sexual history, for example. <laughs> um, we, we get into, like, the really deep politics of the world... And it's not just, like, the way that you get into it in the musical, which is kind of, like, it's there. But it's not there the way that it's there in the book, Wicked. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that some people who don't die in the musical absolutely die in the book. Yeah. It has been a few years since I've read it, to be fair. Um, but that is, like, it's a totally different feeling. Mm. But it's kind of okay, because it's not that it's better or worse. It's that it's just so vastly different that yeah. you can barely compare them. Yeah. Like a theater, um, mu- a theater musical is just like a drastically different thing. It really is. And I mean, and so that's why I'm like talking about and like all musical adaptations are going to be a little bit different than yeah. the, like if they're adapting a book, like, it's going to be because in books you don't have, or even in film usually, you don't have people randomly bursting into song. Yeah. That's pretty out of character for almost everyone. Yeah. And so, also, the goal the, like, the goal of a theater musical is so fundamentally different than that of a book. It is. They are trying to it is. It entertain is. in completely different ways. And there's, you know, obviously they have the constrictions of being on a stage. and Oh, for sure. They're, you know, they're... Yeah, it's it's built around the music more so than anything else, so it's, yeah. Right. I would say another good example in terms of films, and I don't know why it's so musical-heavy right now in my thoughts, hmm. but maybe it's because it's a different format, so changing formats really helps a lot with, like, creating a good but wildly different adaptation. Yeah. But, like, a lot of the... um like the Disney musicals of the 90s, right. they did a really good job with those animated films. Again, asterisk, a lot of them are very problematic, but oh, yeah. overlooking that, <laughs> which we shouldn't, um, <laughs> they adapt some things, like, you know, adapt stories that we've been told, or they'll, in the case of some of them, like The Hunchback of Notre Dame, they literally adapt a book, um, but it's wildly different, like so different. They're not recognizable aside from like a couple of characters' names and maybe a few events. Yeah. yeah. There would definitely be some... The, the Hunchback of Notre Dame was just a weird choice in general to be made into an anime. It was. It, was it like... really was. I would love to have seen the, the when someone was pitching that. 
Me too. Like, there are a lot of movies, like uh, like the Lord of the Rings movies. I want to be in the room of the people who made the decision to greenlight that because before that, Peter Jackson was basically a nobody. Yeah, he he was like, I'm just really passionate about this series. And they were like, okay, well, you haven't done much. And he's like, but it's going to be great. And they're like, well, who are you thinking? And he's like, I'm going to cast a bunch of no-name actors except for Ian McKellen. He's going to be like the only one you know. It's like, hey, um, you might know me from the fact that I directed a movie where puppets did drugs and fucked a lot. I want right, to make like, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, please give me a lot of money for big budget film. Please, oh, please. I promise I'll put someone like Orlando Bloom in it. Like, who's Orlando Bloom? Nobody knows in that time. <laughs> yeah it was so yeah there's a lot of movies where i'm like how did you get this past anyone or like the aragon movie which is famously uh, bad yes yes um, I, i've never seen that or read the book but i do know it's a famous famously bad adaptation it's a terrible adaptation but honestly you're not missing out on either you don't have to read the books they're pretty bad uh sorry aragon fans they're yeah. bad uh no. That was another one, you know, very much caught up in the wake of, oh, shit, Harry Potter's making a lot of money. We got to yeah. get on this train. So Yeah, we've adapt- got to make a lot of money, too. Quick, fucking let's adapt Percy Jackson. Let's adapt. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh God. They threw every yeah. young adult, like, fantasy fiction anything, at the wall. Anything that was remotely popular. Mm. Anything. They were like, yeah, let's do this. This is a good idea. On the other end of the spectrum, what... Outside of your your hatred of Harry Potter adaptations, <laughs> which is well established now, um, what are you, what yes. are in your mind some other very notably bad adaptations? Well, I would be I would probably be torn to shreds if I didn't mention the Avatar: The Last Airbender uh, ah, yes. adaptation, and I mean that is also different because it's a TV series going to a film, which, by the way, I think is just a bad decision anyway. Yeah, but. Because, you know, they've already done it. You already have all of the visuals that you need because it was animated. Like, (laughs) you've got it. But whatever. It's cool. It was a bad movie. Um, Mostly, most notably because of all of the whitewashing they did, how um, how they made the bad guys brown. And it's just like, what are you doing, M. Night Shyamalan? What? And also, um, the way that they do bending in it is just, like, really lackluster. But I'm not going to go into all of that. If you really want a very good breakdown as to why that movie is terrible, as if nobody, (laughs) like, as if everybody doesn't already agree that it's terrible, um, Nostalgia Critic really breaks it down super-duper well. Yeah. Why it's terrible. Alternatively, you could literally just watch the movie and that would tell you everything you need to know about why yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, you would know in the first five seconds why it's bad. So, Cause, like, Because, yeah, you, you could ignore the fact that that's an adaptation of any of anything. It's just a front-to-back, It's just awful, a bad movie. Boring movie. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, let's stop giving M. Night Shyamalan money. How about that? Split was good. <laughs> yeah, The Sixth Sense was all right. Uh, what's the other one? Unbreakable. Yeah. Anyway. Doesn't matter. I'm over it. Uh, I say that a lot for someone who's saying you're over a lot of things, but I don't. I'm really not buying it. You know what? It's fine. I I know my truth. I'm standing in it. Uh, 
Yes. Uh, so the Golden Compass, they did a really bad adaptation of that. Um, honestly, one of the best ways to know if a movie is just a terrible adaptation back to forward is if they if it's part of a series and they stopped after the first one. Yeah. Um, that's a really good indication that that's a bad film adaptation. Yeah. The early to mid 2000s are basically littered with the corpses of first movies oh. in a series that never continued. Terrible, absolutely terrible, and oh, and I know that you're. I don't know how long your pa- podcast usually goes. I'm sure that we're getting close to being Pro- out of time. Probably, or or probably wildly out of time. Yeah. Um, I could I could probably talk about bad adaptations forever and yeah. ever and ever. Um, yeah. honestly, though, I would like to, if it's cool with you, yeah, I'd like to life. talk about some adaptations that I'm either looking forward to or think we should have. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, um, where, I, that's where I was going to go next, if there was anything uh, that, awesome. that you wanted to see adapted. adapted. Yeah, I absolutely do, yes. Um, so one that I'm looking forward to that is theoretically in the works is the King Killer Chronicles. Um, ah, yes. That's supposed to be uh, made... And I think Lin-Manuel Miranda is, like, helping with it. So, obviously. Uh, My only setback with that is I think they're trying to start it before the series is finished. And that is almost always a bad call. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway. So, that's one that I would love to see that I'm kind of looking to. I hope that they do it. Um, I would love to see some of these like lesser known books that are highly adaptable. Um, there's a, there's this trilogy, for example, that I highly recommend to everyone. Everyone should read this, uh, this trilogy. It's called the broken earth trilogy. It's by NK Jemison and it is outstanding. And it would be really relevant for our current political climate. Um, in the Western world. And I mean, I'm speaking more specifically in America. Like it, it definitely will ring like really true, but that's not to say that Europe doesn't have its own bullshit because I see you over there. Yeah. Plus (laughs) with your Brexit, the U S is fucking echoing across the world anyway, at this point. So right. (laughs) It would still be. Yeah. We're, we're like the most giant garbage fire and we're catching everyone yeah. else on fire while we're exactly. At. So, uh, but anyway, that's a really great trilogy. That's really succinct, really rich world, um, super diverse. And it's very much a story that I think we need right now. And I would love to see that a- adapted. And I think you could even do it in movies instead of, um, on like a TV series. So yeah. That's another thing. Um, I'd really like to see uh, some of the lesser known, uh, I guess, kids series or young adult fantasy series that were out there in the early 2000s. Like uh, Keys to the Kingdom would be really interesting um, by Garth Nix. Or, um, oh, I'd really love, I'd kill to see a really good adaptation of Wuthering Heights, which is not a is not the thing that I was talking about, but yeah, I just remembered is, it. Yeah, that's not remotely <laughs> young. That's not remotely young adult <laughs> fantasy from the early 2000s. Um, but yeah, like I, there are a lot of like literature books that I would just kill to see um, done well. 
Mm. And yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a bunch. I read a lot and I like a lot of things and I have a lot of feelings and thoughts about how to adapt things, but I have no motivation to do it myself. So, okay. okay but on that topic, if you did have the motivation, is there one oh. particular thing that you would be like, okay, this is the thing that I would choose to try and adapt? Oh, so like my, my heart wants to say that I would try to do the trilogy, but I am tragically white and, yeah. and I should, I shouldn't cause it's a very diverse series like it's really diverse and it should be something like like with black panther whenever they had a extremely diverse crew and cast and all of yeah. that like that's exactly how that series should be handled so i have no place doing it that's what i would want to do um <laughs> but if i'm doing something that's more like in my wheelhouse i would love to do a i guess my own Okay, I would love to readapt Harry Potter, obviously. I yes. I wouldn't I I wouldn't be the person they chose for that, but I would love to um I would also really love to do The Golden Compass. I'd have to reread them because mm. it's been a minute. Yeah. Um but yeah, it, basically the ones that I mentioned, I'd be interested in writing cuz that's what I think about. Whenever yeah. I think about like, oh, I would love to see this adapted, think about like, well, how would I adapt it? And that's just like fun for me. Yeah. Um, does that put you, you said you read yeah, a lot. Does that so, kind of put you in a mindset like when you read a book, does your brain sort of start drifting down the thing of like, hmm, if this did get adapted into a movie, what would it be like? Um, only, only books that I think would be good adaptations. Mm-hmm. Like if I can't envision something like cinematically, then I then I have no real interest in seeing it adapted. Um, a good example of a book that is good but shouldn't be adapted. Actually, there are two examples that I have right off the top yep. of my head. Uh, Catch Twenty Two was adapted was not a good adaptation because it's not the sort of book you should adapt. Um, yeah. If you've never read Catch Twenty Two, it's a lot of circular uh, discussions, a very like who's on first sort of banter. Um, and it's really funny and it's really good, but not good for a movie. Um, the other one that I can think of just off the top of my head is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a really good book. Uh, they did adapt it and the adaptation was fine, I guess. Um, it wasn't terrible the way I thought it was going. Uh, but that's one of those movies where it's like, this doesn't need to be adapted. This is in the correct format. So much of the appeal to those books is the style of the writing and the actual voice mm-hmm. of, you know, the author, which yeah, like it's not something like a lot of it's like wordplay. A lot of it's like, like yeah. how, how they play around with the writing and the words and stuff like that, that it's just not something that translates. Hitchhiker's Guide to Gal- the Galaxy is, you know, it's not a, a particularly great plot overall. but No, it's, very it's well really cerebral. Written. Yeah, it's but it's very well yeah. written. So if you if you're boiling it down to a story, you lose what is actually yeah. unique about that as a book. That's the thing. It's like if it doesn't have like a good set plot, it's going to be difficult to adapt, which is why the film is okay, like because they they gave it more of a plot. They gave you more structure. But that kind of took away from the lighthearted randomness of the yeah. book. Like the reason people like that book. Yeah. So 
And I think they did a pretty okay job, but I just don't think it should be adapted. And that was one of the issues with Lemony Snicket for a long time. I was like, can they really adapt this? Because a lot of the point of those books is like the humor that you read. Like they're hilarious jokes that are very written word oriented. And they did it the right way by making jokes about film and being like meta humor about film. Um, So, you know. And just straight up having Lemony Snicket there right yeah like there to write with them yeah yeah that was the best decision they made was like literally putting him in there reading like just narrating lengthy things that are basically like narrating text from the book more or less oh absolutely and that's that's perfect like you have to have lemony snicket as a yeah movies or in those books you know whatever because he's like basically like there's a whole subplot with him in the yeah. in that book, like it's the underlying plot that if you're not paying attention, you're not going to get. Yeah, which is why I like those books so much because you get two plots. Uh, <laughs> two plots for the price of one. Exactly. Thanks, Lemony Snicket. <laughs> such a such a financial deal maker. <laughs> he really cut us a break. Yeah, um, yeah so that's. That's like, I have so much that I could talk about, but I know you don't want your podcast to go on for that long. We could, but we should probably wrap it up now. We could have. I definitely think so. Yeah, this is a good point. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Next time we should have gone more specific. We could just. Oh, wait. I do want to ask you what, what book would you like adapted? I just, Mm. I'm interested. Oh, what book would I like adapted? Um, actually. There was a book um by called John Dies at the End, which they made. Oh yeah. They made a movie out of, and honestly, that yes. the movie was not a particularly good adaptation of the book. But I don't that Fair. that's kind of one of those things where like, I don't think that book actually works well to be adapted. However, the sequel, this book is full of spiders. I think, oh, yeah. works works much better as like a book and a story, which uh-huh. I would. I don't, I still don't necessarily know if it could be made into a good movie, but I'd be interested to watch to see someone have a go at making that into a movie. Sure. I think it would at least be an interesting attempt and would at least be possible to make it into more of an actual movie than it was John Dies at the End. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, I've, I've never read either of those books or seen the movies, but I've heard good things about yeah, both, could, actually. It would so. definitely be like a, you could make it into a very weird, schlocky genre horror movie. Oh, yes. I love it. Yeah. Just like throw like a David Cronenberg or someone making something like that <laughs> and you could have an excellently weird movie in my mind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I totally see that. <laughs> There you go. Well, I think that's let's let's wrap it up now. Let's let's bring yes. it to an end. Let's um, actually wrap it up. Hopefully, someone <laughs> will go will go forth and adapt this podcast into a movie, and then we can come back oh. and, com- and complain how they did it terribly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you if you're casting me, uh, I I recommend. Uh, <laughs> oh, who do I recommend? What is I going to say? Terry. Um, what is his name? Terry. Oh my god. Terry, Terry Crews. Terry Crews. Please, please yeah. cast me as Terry Crews. Yeah, that, <laughs> I think that sounds about right. I mean, I've yeah. basically felt like I've been talking to Terry Crews this entire time. So, yeah. That you basically out. have. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. And I'll be Kate Blanchett. Oh, that's a good, yes, very good call. I, I like I it. Have, I have the grace and elegance of her. People tell me that all the time. 
Yeah, I I can I can hear it. I've never met you in person, but I can hear it yeah, in exactly. your voice. That's, that's, that's all you need to know. Just go with that image because it's definitely accurate. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for joining me and like, you know, thank you for having me again. Allowing you to vent more about Harry Potter, which is probably what sustains you in life. God. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, someone save me from this hell. (laughs) No, I don't think they can. It's too late. Oh, no. You're right. Well, well, yes. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, Thanks for joining me. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Please carry on listening. And as always, please carry on caring possibly too much about Harry Potter. (laughs) Bye. Bye.